So we're going to start a new series today, and it's, we're going to be kind of informed about this. It's, it's kind of rooted in the idea of um, being an invitational church, right? Uh, and I'm going to try to kind of get three vignettes, if you will, or three looks at Jesus. A lot of times we literally, and we will, we'll look at the Word and see what it says, but we get so caught up in the details that maybe we miss some patterns that are established in Scripture for, who, uh, for what Jesus wanted or who Jesus called his church to be right? I mean, you can listen to all the teaching of Jesus, but you know how much of Jesus' teaching was done by what he did and not what he said? Do you think he taught some things by what he did? Like, everything in the Bible is words, but do you see the activity? Do we notice it? So over the next three weeks, we're going to kind of look, and it's going to be, I think, interesting to kind of get a look at Jesus' life and wonder about this thing he started called the church, we at Family Bible Church believe the church is the people. And the beautiful thing about us not having a building right now is we cannot be distracted by thinking this space is who we are. Some people have said that. You're the middle school church, right? Man, we're the church. We meet at the middle school. Someone this morning said, well, we're, uh, they didn't say portable. They say they said uh, gypsy. No, they didn't say gypsy. <laughs> but they basically said, we could show up anywhere and worship. We could do that. Like, we could just pull our trailer in. We, we meet at the park sometimes. You know, we're going to meet at Cordy Rec tonight doing baptisms, right? We do baptisms in Lindale Park, people's backyards, and we're everywhere. It's no different than any other church in town, by the way, except that sometimes they start to believe, we can start to believe that the building is us. Or, and this is the tragedy, that, that we're less important in the facility. So, so we're going to look over the next three weeks at this kind of idea. Um, looking at Jesus' life, there's no one uh, better. If you're, We always say this, right? But follow Jesus. Like, that's our desire for you in your life, is to follow Jesus. No matter where you are in that uh, experience, whether you're far, you feel like you're far from Jesus and you don't even understand God, don't believe there is a God, wherever you are in that continuum of faith, to knowing him and knowing Jesus and be, believing and being filled with the Holy Spirit and following him every day and you're like super saint, whatever, you know what I mean? Wherever you are, like our desire for you is to continue to follow Jesus. That's my desire for myself, that I would keep following Jesus no matter what comes, good, bad, or otherwise, right? So we're going to take a look over the next few weeks of these. I want to invite you, we always pray at Family Bible Church before we get into the Word, and I'm going to ask us to do that this morning, and that's because we need His wisdom, not our own. Man, six days a week we try to get our own, and we shouldn't even do that. Like, let's go to God and ask for wisdom this morning. Pray with me if you would. Father God, we are honored to be in your presence. We're always in your presence, but how often do we stop and recognize it? For that alone, we give you thanks this morning that, that you've made a space, a time, an opportunity right now for us to sit at your feet and listen to you. We do believe that your scripture is inspired by your Holy Spirit. We do believe that it is your word to us and it's a gift to us. And yet, of our own ability, we can understand none of it. It it, it's, it's, has no value apart from you. So today, Jesus, I ask that you would give us the gift of your Holy Spirit to understand what your word says. And as we examine your life, Jesus, you would show us who you are and who you're calling us to be. And that in every way, in every part of our life, in and out, wherever we are, we will be through and through believers and followers and obeyers of who you're calling us to be. I ask that you would do this work not because of us, but because you said if we ask in your name, you're pleased to give it. Would you lead us today, Jesus? And we ask in your name. Amen. So I'm really excited about this um, 
this series. Uh, I, I want to put out there, so this is kind of really a message to the church, right? But I want to put out the difference real quick between um, being a welcoming uh, church and being an invitational church. This isn't something I thought up. Matter of fact, you can Google it if you want. Google it, Invitational Church. You'll see all kind of neat documents and theories and ideas and stuff, right? But it's rooted in this idea. There's a fundamental difference between being a welcoming organization or a body and being an inviting body. It might not seem obvious at first, right? Um, for many of us, we think, you know, we're nice enough. You know what I mean? You all look pretty nice. You all seem pretty nice. You might have been nice to someone this morning when you showed up, right? Um, kind of reminds me like the, 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 the business owner or the person who puts their, puts their sign up and they says, well, they'll come when they're ready. Do you feel that way sometimes? Like, I'm just talking about Family Bible Church for a minute. Like, we'll load in, we'll set the chairs, we'll pray over the service, we'll prepare ourselves, we'll be ready to, you know, lead worship and speak and have our equipment ready to go. We're going to be ready to do this thing, and we'll just see who comes. And, and if people show up, that's awesome. And that's cool, because sometimes in church life, being a welcoming church is, is a step forward. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> have you ever showed up at a church and you feel like you didn't belong there? Yes. <laughs> I hope, me, I have. <laughs> I've showed up at churches that asked me to leave. <laughs> That's true. I've been asked to leave churches before. Uh, it, it, not right away. It takes them a while <laughs> and they ask me to leave, <laughs> you know. But it's happened, you know. There's the door. Don't, you know, don't let it hit you or the good Lord split you. You, know, you can't say that in church, by the way. Don't say that in church. People get sick of it. They, they, they just, they, they, we, and this is the thing. We can all become so closed and so about what, who we are and what, this is for us, this is our space, that, that yeah, we'll have our thing, and then they can come if they want. And that's a step away from this is our thing, and we'd rather not you be here. We'd rather you not come at all. Don't mess up what I got going here. What's the difference between a welcoming church, then, and an invitational church? An invitational church is, is a church that's out and, and actively bringing people in, inviting people in, b b believing. And, and, and some of you are going, man, see, this is going to be some, like, church growth strategy. Listen, I'm rooting this 100% in Jesus, in, in the ministry model that he lived We're going to talk today about some surprising things about Jesus. I mean, if there's ever anyone who would just show up and expect people to notice, it would have been the Son of God. <laughs> right? If there's ever anyone that said, I pitched my tent, I'll wait till they show up, it could have been the Son of God, Jesus. But we do not see that in his life. We're going to study the scriptures this morning together. The first one, I'm going to ask you to turn there. Turn to... Um, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. We're going to cover that first. Here it is. The first chapter of Mark. By the way, you know, something else about this is, do you know the difference in how it feels to be invited versus being welcomed? You know what I mean? You know, here's a, true, here's a true story, and this is going to get me next week. I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to get me next week, but here's a true story. I started thinking about, the, I started thinking about what are some times I've been invited somewhere, not welcomed, like, oh, hey, I'm glad you showed up, but like, hey, would you come with us? And I had a hard time thinking of times that I was invited. Do you feel that way in life? Do you feel like there are very few people who are saying, you're important. Will you come with me? 
Will you, will, you, will you come to my house? Will you go with me where I'm going? It feels different to be invited versus being welcomed or, for heaven's sakes, being tolerated. Jesus gives us this great model in the Gospel of Mark. Read it with me. After John was put in prison, okay, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. Jesus said this, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets, and they followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their nets and their father, Zebedee, in the boat and the, with the hired men, and they followed Jesus. These two simple words. I've said this to you before, church. Two simple words Jesus says to us is, follow me. Follow me. I have a question. Why would Jesus do this? Son of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, capable of, of anything that he, he wants to do, and he chooses to come to ordinary men and women and say, hey, follow me. Follow me. A couple of things are key in this passage that I want you to notice, and the first is this, that Jesus said two things here. He said, the time has come. So first of all, Something's changed. It's time now. We're ready. And then the second thing he said is the kingdom of God is near. Right here, right. It's, it's, it's very close to you. So he invites us to repent. That means to turn from our sin, to turn from our broken ways. And in this case, to turn from their fishing boats, which seems silly because fishing ain't simple. Repent and believe the good news. I'm calling you into to my kingdom with me. Come, follow me. Rooted in opportunity, rooted in a moment, and rooted in the kingdom of God coming, Jesus says this, follow me. That same invitation, by the way, for all the trappings the church puts it in, for all the packages we try to make, you know, of Jesus and sell him as a product, his invitation still stands to each one of us. Follow me. Do you not believe God exists? Follow Jesus. Do you not believe Jesus is the Son of God? Follow Jesus. It's, it's kind of like that deal, like follow the money, you know? Follow his life. Look at who he is. Stop, stop making excuses about why you can't believe and follow Jesus. The powerful thing about it is it still happens today. His words, the same to us. Hey, come, follow me. Jesus models not a welcoming church, not a passive church, but an active church. I, I mean us. Hey, follow me. Come with Jesus. Look at him. See what he'll do. See where he goes. Jesus comes and, and he uh, invites us to go along. See, the funny thing about Jesus, and, and especially reading the Gospels, is if you've read them before, you know where it ends. Right? I mean, I talked about Easter and Good Friday. You know where it ends. 
When Jesus says, follow me, he's heading for a cross. When he says, come with me, he's going to give his life for the sins of the whole world. And you know what's crazy? He doesn't need anyone to go with him to do that. Do you see what I'm saying? He is completely capable of going to the cross all by himself and paying for the sins of the entire world without ever inviting anyone to go along. And yet, the first thing we see him do after baptism, interestingly enough, is go and start to say to people, hey, come follow me. I'm going to show you something different. Still holds true today. Are you sick of the church? Follow Jesus. You know? Are you sick of the religion? Follow Jesus. He still, he still leads us, and the, he's the only one that leads us to true freedom. There must be a reason he does not go alone. By the way, before we get into the... Um, Another concept, another thought here. I want to. There is something that Jesus does do alone. You know what it is? Anybody have a guess what he does alone? Yeah, that's right. Good for you. He prays. Jesus seeks solitude when he talks to his heavenly Father. He gets away from other people. He gets away from the noise and the distractions, the miracles, the followers. He sneaks away to pray, to seek his Father. It happens actually in verses um, 35 and 37, same chapter, very early in the morning, while it was yet dark, as he was up before the sunrise service, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off into a solitary place where he, what, prayed. And then Simon and his companions went to look for him, and, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus did that alone. But everything else, he invited people with him. Come with me. Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Turn from your sin. Follow me. I will set you free. It's beautiful. It's still true. By the way, we can look through Scripture and see it over and over again. It's not like he does it once at the beginning of his ministry and then he's done inviting people to go with him. Later on, we see it says, when he calls Levi, the tax collector, he walks through the town, and he's collecting, and he says, hey, Levi, follow me. Invites him to go with him. And all along the way, he just keeps inviting people to come with me, come with me, come with me. I told you, it didn't even stop in biblical times. He still says to us today, will you follow me? So we have an idea here. Check this out. Turn to, turn to the Gospel of John now, chapter 1. By the way, I love the Gospel of Mark. I've said it before. If you've not read a Gospel, I would encourage you to read the Gospel of Mark. It's, it's like quick, beautiful Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed, but I love the Gospel of Mark. Some of you might love the Gospel of John. This is beautiful. John chapter 1, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples, John now, don't miss this. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, behold, heads up, it's the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they, what does your word say? Followed Jesus. So get the picture for a minute here, right? John's got people following him, and John says, look, 
It's the Son of God, the Lamb of God. And in that moment, John's followers turn and follow Jesus. So, I mean, telling you, we can invite anyone to this process. Follow Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and he said, look, he saw them, what, following, and he said, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Look at what his word is. Come and you will see. Come and you will see. Right? There's a, there, I'm just telling you, there's some boldness in his transparency. We call it now transparency, right? Like, just come and see where he is. See, see what he's doing. See how he lives his life. Watch Jesus Monday morning or watch him, you know, uh, Saturday, after, you know. Um, see how he lives. But follow me. Look hard. You know, I actually, um, you know this about me probably, but I, I, I kind of love skeptics. I do. I, I love people who struggle with the faith. I love it. Every time I think about it, I say, look at Jesus. Every time I, I wonder, I go, look at Jesus. Don't look at the stuff. Look at Jesus and what he does. He's completely without fault. He's righteous in everything he does. His teaching is irrefutable in this world. Look to Jesus. Well, he says, they, they want to where you stand. How you living? What's your house look like? Where are you sleeping at night? Come, and you will see. You'll see everything, every, everything you're wondering about. So they went. Look at the word says, and they saw where he was staying. And they spent a day with him. It was about the 10th hour, right? This is the early church now. Don't miss it. Look what happens next. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John said and who had begun to follow Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at, at uh, Simon and said, you are Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which when translated means Peter, which in the root word means the rock. The rock. So get the story here. This is early church stuff. Jesus is walking along. John sees who Jesus is, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And two of John's followers turn and begin to follow Jesus themselves. And after spending a day and a night with Jesus, Andrew wakes up, and he can't wait to go get his brother Simon because they have found the Messiah. Have you ever noticed that before? That Andrew goes and gets Peter, who, who, the guy who becomes Peter. Andrew can't wait to tell his brother. He can't wait to go to him and share what he's found. And he invites him, come. Come and meet him with me, right? Same, same thing. Why, why would Andrew be so eager for Simon to meet Jesus? What's driving Andrew's heart? You know, have you ever been somewhere that, that we, we were talking to somebody about this this week. Have you been somewhere where you're there and you wish someone was with you? Maybe that's you today. I mean, maybe you're here today and you're like, oh, I wish, I wish so-and-so was here today with me. Right? Have you ever seen something that's really cool and you can't wait to go tell your friend or your family about it? 
And I'm not just talking church stuff. Sometimes like we just we're wore out with that, you know. But I'm saying like, do you ever see something that's so exciting? It's like this is so cool. It, when I think back to my heart of hearts about why I want those who I love dearly to know Jesus, it's because it's the most amazing thing I've found in my life. And I only get discouraged when my friends and family won't even give them a look. Have you ever thought about what's driving Andrew's heart for his brother Simon? He knows Simon's going to be stoked to meet Jesus. He knows it. Simon, Simon, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. There's this invitational quality to what Andrew does. It just happens. He invites his brother to come. Man, I, I, reading this, by the way, I can't, I can't get over that fact, you know, that Simon listens to his bro- brother Andrew, which would be hard. If you got a brother, you know that's going to be hard. Oh, sure you did. <laughs> you know, you found him, right? But you show up, and Jesus gives you a new name, and it's the Messiah. Like, he's the Messiah. And he's like, I'm so pleased to meet you, Billy. And now your new name is whatever, you know. All because Andrew cared to show him. Hey, you got to come and meet this guy. I, I just, I'm so blown away by that, that order of events in Scripture. Now, I, I want to um, say something. Uh, there's a, if, you, if you're an astute scholar of the Bible, you might have noticed that we kind of heard two different stories about the same encounter with Jesus. Did you notice that? It was the same story in, in uh, the Gospel of Mark that we just read where it said Jesus was walking along um, when John was put in prison, Jesus was in, the, in Galilee and proclaimed the good news. And Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee and saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting nets, right? Do you ever have something that just messes you up in Scripture? Like you read it and you're like, wait a minute, I just read in a different book, something different than what I just read here. Because here, Andrew meets Jesus first. And then there, Jesus is walking along the lake and he sees Simon and Andrew in the boat. Did you guys catch that? Like that wigged me out when I'm like, what? Wait a minute, Right? I just want to address that real quickly, and you can come, we can talk about this, but I love it, because if you ever get stuck in Scripture or something, you're kind of weirded out, sit on it. Just sit on it. So many of us are so panicked, we don't have an easy answer. Oh, what, you know, everything's going to come apart, my faith's going to be destroyed, what are we going to do? Man, believe Jesus, believe the gospel, and sit on it for a minute and say, give us some, give us some wisdom here. Help us understand how is it that in one passage he's walking along the sea and in another passage Andrew's inviting him to come meet the Messiah? This is what I came up with on this. And I'm not saying this isn't me. I didn't, this, you know, I'm sure this has been studied to, at, at length before. It says, after John was beheaded. Do you see that in Mark? After John was beheaded, Jesus came and said, leave your nets and follow me. The time has come. But in, in the John's gospel, they were following John, and they turned and began to follow Jesus. There's an introductory period, right? They, they, they meet him. They know him, but they continue to work. And there's this poignant moment when Jesus says, and now is the time. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Changes everything. You can look at it yourself. Don't take my word for it. Look at it yourself. So here we have another model, another glimpse, another look at this church that Jesus started where people were excited to have others come with them. Just come and meet Jesus. Just come and see what he's doing. I'm not even going to tell you what to believe when you get there. Just show up and take a look at it. 
Just allow yourself to wonder, are, are you missing anything? Would things be better? Could things change? You know what's interesting, actually, in the Gospel of John? The very next thing, the same pattern is offered by, um, by uh, Philip, right? Philip, it says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee and finding, finding Philip, by the way, he found Philip. He said, follow me. And then look, Philip in verse 45, found Nathanael and told Nathanael, come, I found the one, the Christ. Come and see. And then Nathanael met Jesus. See, there's that same pattern again, isn't it? Follow me. You follow Jesus and they, they invite someone, hey, come, you've got you to meet Jesus. The truth is that as, as believers in Jesus Christ, in every way, as Lord, Sovereign, Savior, Peacemaker, you know, uh, uh, the High King of Heaven, I mean, every accolade you can give him, you can't, you, you can't make him bigger than he is because he's the biggest thing going, right? There's this natural thing where we, we invite others to come and see him. Come and meet Jesus. Come and see for yourself. The last place we want to go this morning is back to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to go to Mark chapter 3. I'm really wrestling, right, this whole series. I want to be honest. Like, I'm wrestling. Next week's going to be even harder, you know? But, like, what keeps us from doing that? At some point in our lives, following Christ, and if some of you are astute, you'll say, that's all we have anyway. That's all we can offer people is to follow Jesus. That's it. Follow him. And, and, and depend on God to do a work in their lives. Depend on him to show his grace and his mercy and his love and his passion, his direction, his insight, his wisdom. But we see over and over again when, when friends are brought to Jesus, he responds. It's beautiful. Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19 says this, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those that he wanted. See, there it is again, a sovereign choice. And they came to him. I just want to stop for a minute, right? There's, there's a two-step progression that happens here. Jesus finds those he wants, wants and he calls them. And then the word says that they, then they respond and they come to him. I have a, I have a, uh, a working theology of salvation and the response to the gospel and it kind of goes like this and I'm no scholar but it kind of goes like this only you can reject Jesus only you he's invited you he's called you he, he's waiting for you but you are allowed to turn your back on him and walk away and, and many of us live in that space of life where he's saying, come, follow me. And only we reject him. Do you see it there? Jesus went up, he called those that he wanted, and they came to him. I wonder how many people he might have called that didn't come to him. I mean, I know there's 12, and there's a reason, because the 12 tribes of Israel, and it's perfect, and it's God's plan, and it's sovereign. I get it. But I wonder, were there those who were called that didn't respond? 
Go up the mountain with Jesus for what? I'm fine right here. Do you think it requires obedience to follow Jesus? What? Do you think it requires obedience to be blessed by Jesus? We choose to follow him. It's crazy, right? Read with me. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. A couple things. It says he appointed 12, right? That they might, one, be with him. Why are they appointed? To be with Jesus. He called them close. He invited them in, right? Come and see how I live. Come and see how I work. Come and see where I go. Come and see what I do. Come closer to me. And then, secondly, that he might send them out. For what? To preach, to share, to, to make a difference, to drive out demons. I'm not afraid of that. Drive out demons. Do you think that if Jesus draws you near in your life, if he invites you in and you respond and you draw near to Jesus, that he might then turn you around and send you out into a broken world where he, your, his light is needed through you, where his authority to identify and help others is needed through you, where his grace and his mercy and his gospel needs to be presented through you, where someone who feels alone or lost or abandoned or forgotten or neglected needs to be invited because God has shown them to you or sent you to them? Or is this just for these guys? At that point, and that was it, those 12, no more. No more drawing near to Jesus nor being sent out into the field. It's, it's striking to me. Because when Jesus sent out his disciples, you know what else he didn't do? He didn't say, hey, you, go out and take that hill all by yourself. He didn't say, you, I'm going to give you this area, and I'm going to give you that area, and you go and just all by yourselves, you just muster, you man up, you, you woman up, and you do it. He says, no, you two, you go that way. And you two, you go that way. How about the three of you head over here? He sends them out together. There's a pattern here. Not alone. I, th I think one of the ways that we're most broken in our culture is that we think completely individualistically. It's about me. It's about my relationship with Jesus. It's, it's just, that's good, at, me and him is good enough. And what we see with him when he says, you follow me and you follow me, is he builds this crowd around him and then he draws them near to himself and then he sends them out together into the world to bring the good news. His gospel. That he's real. That God loves sinners. And that Jesus is going to die to save them. Now, that wasn't their good news, was it? When he sent them out to preach, what were they preaching? Repent. The kingdom of God is near. But Jesus hadn't given his life on the cross yet. But he will. He would. And he did. 
drawn near so they can be near Jesus. Don't miss that. And then that they might be sent out by Jesus to preach and to drive out demons, to get in the spiritual battle, to get in the war and stop neglecting what God has put before us. So why? I mean, why, why does Jesus send his followers out together? You know? Man, is there something to that? Is there something to the fact that if one of us went out alone to, to make a difference in the world that we are going to fail? That we're going to feel isolated? That we're going to lose hope? That maybe we need to talk to one another? You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to work this out a little bit. Maybe we need to, man, there's this person that work. Will you pray with me over this person that I work with? I need some insight and some wisdom here. Will you pray with me that God would give us wisdom in this? Is there something about following Jesus as a team sport? And that as much as Americans, we think we can do it all by ourselves, we can't do it all by ourselves. But we've got to invite people in. I said this before to you guys, but, you know, you think about, sometimes we, it's so funny, but you think like, uh, well, we, we, want, we want to invite people in because it's about our church. But, I, I, you know, let's, let's read on. I mean, it's funny because what if those people that we're inviting in are going to be huge difference makers for so many others? And, and, and not only are we saying they're not important, but all the people that they're going to reach isn't important because God don't want them as part of his kingdom. That's a terrible gospel. Instead, maybe a gospel of imitation. Come be part of this. Look, these were the 12 he appointed. I wanted to hear the names this morning. Simon, that's the guy we met who we gave the name The Rock, right? James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the names uh, Bor Bor Borneges. We're going to go with that this morning, which means, this is the easy translation, sons of thunder. <laughs> thunder, right? Those, those boys made some noise. That's cool. He likes rowdies. I like that. 18. Look at Andrew. <laughs> you know, Andrew. He gets to go. That's cool. Philip. Bartholomew Simpson. I didn't know he was, a, he was one, but there he is. Matthew. Thomas. James. Son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus. That's a beautiful name, Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot. <laughs> and not to be confused with Simon the Rock. Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus, invited in and sent out. You know what's crazy about that list is who is there? Might be surprising to us, but also who's not there, Right? I mean, there's a lot of people that Jesus met that aren't in that list right there. I don't pretend to have the answer to that. But isn't it interesting to notice? I mean, you know, like, can you imagine if Andrew hadn't gone the time in at all? This is so cool. I got with Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. I'm going to be his number one guy. I'm going to hang out with him all the time. Hopefully, Simon will come if he feels like it. crazy. It's not what we see Jesus model. It's not what we see the early church model. 
in any way. All right, here we go. So this week, we're doing something a little different for this three-week series. I'm going to issue a challenge. On your engagement sheet, if you got one, right, it says, my one, my one. And here's a challenge for you today. I want to challenge you to invite one person to something this week. Invite one person to something. Now, I'll give you some ideas. You can invite someone to. You can invite someone to the baptism and pool party tonight at Cordy Rec Center. I'm just saying you can. I'm not saying that's the goal. That's not the goal of the sermon. That's an opportunity. Say to someone, hey, would you, would you come with us tonight? We're going, we're going to go to Cordy Rec Center and celebrate baptism. Would you like to go? Or you can say, we're going to go to Cordy Rec Center and we're going to swim after baptisms. Would you want to go? Both are true. Both will happen. You can, you can invite someone to uh, come to church sometime. That's reasonable. Again, not the goal of the sermon, but opportunity. You can invite someone to come next Sunday. Some of you might be in a family group. You can invite someone this week to come to a family group. And I don't mean like be a welcoming, well, we got a spot if you want to come. But hey, would you come to the family group this week? We, we would love to have you. Would you like to come? It would be awesome to have you there. Opportunity. But it's not the goal. See, because already you're going, uh, well, see, you're just, it's all about the church. No, all right. If that's your concern, invite someone to a movie. Just pick a movie. Hey, I, I've been thinking, would you like to go with me to a movie? Would you like to hang out for a couple of hours? Or invite someone to dinner? Hey, you want to come to my place and grab a bite to eat? You want to go out and grab lunch sometime? How about a coffee? Want to get a coffee? Just catch up? Get to know each other? Whatever it is. This week, who is it? Invite one person to one thing this week. It's a challenge. You can choose to take it or not. It's an opportunity. You can choose to respond or not. But I have another question for you, and we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you right now, in the presence of God who is here with us in worship, that we worship him and we celebrate him and we preach about his son and our Savior Jesus and his followers who have gone before us. Lord, would you show me who that person is that you want me to invite somewhere? Would you give me a name? Maybe God already has today. And if he gives you a name, will you be so bold as to write it on that paper and take it home with you? Just write it down and put it in your purse or put it in your wallet, put it in your Bible, and take it home. And look for opportunities this week to invite that person with you somewhere. That's the challenge. Pray with me if you would. Father God, we love following your son Jesus. We love him because he first loved us, and we celebrate him because he set us free from our sins. Apart from him, we found no hope or salvation, no way forward. And yet with him, we found freedom and life and eternity and hope and a plan and a future. And even we found hope on the grave, Father, in Jesus' name. We give you thanks and praise for that today. Father, this week, as we consider opportunities that are before us, would you lay someone on our heart? I mean... Would you do that? Would you show us someone in our life that you want us to invite somewhere? 
And Father, I, I pray as your servant that if this is just a hokey idea that I came up with to, to do some manipulative junk in your church, that you would rebuke it and strike it and it wouldn't happen. But if it's of you, would you compel us by your Holy Spirit to m- follow the model that we saw in Jesus' name? Would you compel us to do that work in your name if it's of you? And then, Father, I want to give you a prayer of thanks and praise today for every brother and sister sitting here, every brother or sister sitting in blast, and every brother or sister sitting in nursery this morning because they've come to seek you. And I only pray today, Father, that before they leave, they would have recognized you, that before they leave, they would have heard from you, and that before they leave, they would have responded to you in whatever way you choose, Father. May we all come to know you better. May we all follow you more faithfully each day. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.